0: Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of the message is Jesus If You Can. Jesus If You Can. I'm going to tell you where I'm getting this message from. It's in uh, Mark chapter 9, and I'm just going to share with you the first uh, the t- verses 20 through 25. Um, and when I get about halfway through it, you'll see the scene that's taking place. Uh, It reads like this in verse 20. So they brought the boy, and when the evil spirit saw Jesus, uh, he threw him into a wild, he threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground And began wreathing and foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked, how long has this been happening? He asked the father that. And he said, this has been happening ever since he was a little boy. This spirit has been throwing him into the fire or into water, often." It's it's happening extremely often. He says, will you have mercy on us? Uh, Will you help us, and here's my title, if you can. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible for those who believe. The father instantly cried out, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And Jesus looked at the child and he said, Listen, you evil spirit that is keeping him from hearing and speaking. I command you... To leave and never come again. Instantly, the boy was relieved of that evil spirit and was able to live a normal life for the rest of his life. Can we just pause and give Jesus a standing ovation for that? That is powerful. That is powerful. That is powerful. Let me just say this. This is not in my notes. By the way, if you want to follow along in my notes, open up the Celebration Church app and all my sermon notes are inside of there and you can take your own notes at the same time. Just go to the app store, type in Celebration Church TW and my notes are in there. Um, I love testimonies of a of a life that is all of a sudden transformed and uh, when someone is in bondage in this uh, sickness and cancer and life is not supposed to be like that for a believer it's not supposed to be like that and and I've seen and you've seen if you're a member in this church countless countless legitimate miracles that happen every single week. You say, well, how do you know they're legitimate? Because we know what the before and the after is. We've seen deaf ears. We've seen blind eyes. We've seen cancer disappear. We see this all the time. Last Sunday, there was a marriage that was literally on the brink, being held together with duct tape and super glue. They walked right out of here crazy in love. They walked right out. How can that happen? Come on, put your hands together for that. How can two people with hearts of stone all of a sudden walk out deeply in love? How can that happen? That happened last Sunday. This is the miracles that God does. These are the overcoming moments that God does. And I love those testimonies. I'm going to talk about three major points today. The first one is what Jesus asked. The second one is what the devil wants, and the third one is on a, a few thoughts on the power of weak faith. But before I jump into that, on the note of overcoming i I just came across this uh, this story recently of this um, this CEO of a, a bank in Manhattan. He was walking down the street, and he always gets his shoes shined from the same guy, and while the guy was shining his shoes, he said, hey, uh, what's the market look like right now? Is now a good time to invest? And the CEO of the bank said, "Um, well, why do you ask? And he says, well, I have $20 million in your bank, and I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with it. And the guy was like shocked because this is not the occupation that leads to 20 million dollars. And so he goes and he pulls his records. And sure enough, he's got $20 million. And so he goes back downstairs and he says, hey, will you come talk to our board of directors? This is a phenomenal story. I know it'll encourage everyone. So a few days later, he goes up to the board of directors and told his story. He said, look, I I came from another country. I didn't have two dimes in my pocket. Um, Someone gave me some apples. And I thought to myself, I can eat these apples or I can sell the apples. So he sold the apples, he made a little bit of money, and then he did it a few times over again, bought himself a shoe shine box. And then um, he, he just was walking around shining people's shoes. And then there was this guy right in front of the bank who had a chair, and he was done with the chair. He was going to retire, and, and the, the young guy, he, he bought the chair. And so now he was all of a sudden shining shoes of people right outside of the bank and you know the entire board of directors were so moved by this story but they were still wondering how did you get from where you are to 20 million and then he said well then my brother who is a drug dealer died and left me 20 million dollars <laughs> There's always a story behind the story right that was just a commercial break all right let me dive into it what jesus said the first thing that jesus said to this father was how long has this been happening and while i was studying this passage i started thinking to myself when he was asking them how long has this been happening i don't believe he was just talking about the boy how long has the boy been going through this How long have you been going through this? Parents in the room, when your child is going through something, is there any greater pain in the world? Come on, nod at me, parents. Is there any greater pain in the world? How long has your child been going through this? How long have you been going through this? How long has your family been going through this? The whole family is affected when a child even has the flu, much less a sickness that nobody can get rid of. He can't shake it off. The parents can't. There's no medicine. There's no, there's not amount of money. There's nothing. How long have you been going through this? hell. Then I love how Jesus asked that question. How long have you been going through this? Because everybody in this room needs a miracle. And the question that Jesus would ask, how long have you been needing this miracle? How long have you been going through this? How long have you been gritting your teeth and acting like everything's okay on the outside when everything's broken on the inside? How long have you been going through this? And I just think to myself, I love Jesus so much because in a moment he healed the child. But he wanted to, he wanted to, you see, God can change what's happening to you in a moment. But what's happening in you, now that's that's going to require some relationship. And he wanted the father to know, I'm feeling you. I'm feeling. Feeling you I how long tell me the story tell me the story I want to know at that moment I believe the father was like wow you actually care for me multitudes were following him all the time we know the story of five fish uh, I'm sorry five loaves and two fish how he fed thousands of people on two different occasions but do you know that the multitude was following him all the time In Mark chapter 3, verse 20, it says, The multitude was following him so much that he did not even have time to sit down and eat. So, with all these thousands of people around him, he made this father feel like he was the only one on the planet. How long has this been happening? It's amazing. The love that he felt, I wish, I wish. I, actually, Paul said it. He goes, I wish. In, in uh, Ephesians 3.18, he goes, I wish you knew how far and how wide and how deep. I wish you knew. I, how many in this room say, I wish I knew too. How wide and how far. I mean, would, oh, if I could, oh my goodness. One of my favorite teachers is a guy by the name of Jack Hayford. He teaches and he's he's been a pastor for 100 years. But he's one of my favorite, one of my favorite. And I was listening to him tell uh, a story about how the love of God that he had for that God had for him was so real one day that he said out loud, Lord, I was worth less than a penny and you saved me. And as he was walking down the street, after he prayed that prayer, he saw a penny on the ground. And everyone knows, you lose a penny, nobody cares. The penny was sitting on the ground, he reached down and he picked up the penny and he was like, this was me. People discard pennies, I was, you came to me. And then he made that decision, every time I see a penny on the ground, I'm gonna grab that penny and... Figuratively, save the penny and just say thank you every time. So, over the period of the next few days, he kept seeing pennies and he'd pick it up and said, This was me, and thank you, Jesus. This was me, thank you, Jesus. And he went to a restaurant and he needed to use the restroom. And so he walked up to the urinal and he looked down into the urinal and there was a penny in the bottom of the urinal. And he thought to himself, okay, I'm going to go ahead and skip this penny. And then he thought, I was in a worse condition than that. And so he pulled up his sleeve and he reached into the urinal and he pulled out the penny. And he said, thank you, Jesus, for reaching into the ugliest place to save me. The ugliest place. This is what Jesus asked, how long has this been going? And then I want to talk about point number two. When, when, what, the, what, was, what was Satan doing? Why, why the torment of a child? It, it, clearly, Satan doesn't care how old people are. He's not prejudiced. He doesn't care the color of your skin. He doesn't care what sex you are. He doesn't care how old you are. He, he, he's just so hateful. He's been tormenting this little child since he was little, tormenting him. Can I just say something that most of us already know? Satan is always trying to kill a part of our life. He's always trying to, some part of our life, he's always trying to kill. And if you're listening to these words intently, if if your mind hasn't drifted, right now, most of us know the exact area that Satan is trying to kill right now. You know, right now, not at me if you if you're with me. You know the exact area he could be trying to siphon like a like a demon. He is a demon trying to siphon your finances to keep you awake at night. He could be like that 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 uh, like this. Uh, like this wedge between you and your spouse, this, your children, you love your children more than you love yourself, and you just can't figure out why that relationship isn't what it used to be. He's just constantly, I've said this before, if you have your health, if you're healthy, you have a great life, but sometimes it's the health that's the problem. See, the problem with having bad health is it never, ever is off your mind. It's never off your mind. He's always trying to kill something. I remember when I was 15 years old, my parents got a divorce, and I went to sleep one night, and I had this dream that I was sitting in the back seat of our car. We had a a gray Cutlass Supreme. Did anyone remember those cars? It was like, it was the bomb back in the day. We had hubcaps on it. And um, man, if we drove too fast, a hubcap would fly down the highway. Every motorcycle driver was in trouble. It'd just take their head out. Anybody remember hubcaps? Anyone, anyone? My goodness. They don't make them like they used to anymore. They used to look real back in the day. But anyway, I'm sitting in the back of this Cutlass Supreme in my dream. And it was so fascinating because my dad always drove. He always drove. Before the divorce, after the divorce, he always drove. And I was sitting behind the passenger seat in my dream. And my father was sitting in front of me in the passenger seat. And I knew that the devil was driving the car. And then all of a sudden... As he was driving the car, he turns around and he points at me. And he goes, and I'm coming after you next. He was driving my father's life into a a direction of darkness that he had never experienced before. He was barreling him. We grew up in a a denomination where if you get a divorce, you can't preach anymore. And my father was an evangelist, which meant he travels all over and speaks. And in a moment, the entire income is gone. The entire nothing, nothing. I remember my father being so depressed that he couldn't get out of bed. And as a 15-year-old, I'm throwing a blanket over him and laying it down. I remember that. And the enemy turned around, he goes, and I'm coming after you next. And I, I woke up, and I quickly forgot the dream. I was 15 years old, and I'm living my best life now. I'm going to high school. I was on the east side of Houston. For those of you that know where it's at, it's North Shore High School. And I was living an awesome life. I had hair down to here, if you can believe it. I, I was skipping school and couldn't, you're not gonna catch me. And I was failing every class, but I didn't care. And I was having fun. I went to summer school every single summer, all the way through high school. So don't get mad at your kids if they end up in summer school. I lived in summer school. It's a miracle I graduated. It's up there with water and wine. But I didn't even realize, I didn't even realize that he's taken this preacher's kid that was so just squeaky clean and loved holiness and began to drift my life down a path that was so dark that it dawned on me later in retrospect, I was on my way to hell. I was on my way to hell. And if your theology says, no, you you were saved as a kid, you're always going to be saved. It's it's just, there's trouble. There's trouble with that theology. There's trouble. Let me tell you why. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, it says this. In latter times, the Spirit clearly told us that many will abandon the faith. Abandon the faith. They no longer believe anymore. And they'll begin following demonic spirits and things taught by demons. And these people... Demons, I don't have time for that. And these people are like people who have had their conscience seared as with a hot iron. In Revelation chapter 3 verse 16, it says, because you are neither hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. So I'm 21 years old and all of a sudden I realize that that, that devil. He sure enough did what he said he was going to do. He came after me next and started driving my life straight to the pit of hell. And somehow or another, God's grace reached down like a penny in a toilet and saved it out. Does anyone else have a story like that? Anyone else have a story like that? My last and final point. This father is coming up to Jesus and he says, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Have you ever wanted God to move, but you're tormented by the idea that you don't have enough faith? And you're trying to have more faith. It's not like you don't want to have faith. You want to have faith. I remember Pastor Joel Osteen's mom um, way back in the day before... Uh, Pastor John passed away and she had uh, polio or cancer and um, they were praying for her healing. And she said to her husband, she goes, oh, John, I'm trying to believe. I'm trying to believe, but I, I don't, I, I'm, I have doubt too. And he says, faith, it, true faith will always be chased by doubt. It'll always be on the sidelines, yelling and screaming. But, but if you have a little bit of faith, if you're hanging on to it, if you're saying, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Help me. Help me overcome my belief. What I love about Jesus is he didn't say, okay, let's sit down. Let's overcome your belief. Let's talk. What he did is he goes, I like that kind of a prayer. That kind of a prayer is so authentic and so honest. Watch this. God lifts our faith with a demonstration of his love. He doesn't chastise us until our faith goes up. He moves and then our faith goes up. Isn't that awesome? Have you ever said, wow. God did that. And all of a sudden, your faith goes up. Oh, my goodness. God, God did this. Wave at me if you ever said, God did this. Put your hands together. God did this. All of a sudden, what happens? Your faith goes up. God loves those authentic prayers of, hey, I'm trying here. Have you ever been there? I'm trying here. You know, when you pray for someone else, you believe like you know, like you know your name. God is gonna bless them. I'm, I, I, God's gonna bless, but when it's you, it's oh my goodness. Because here's the thing: we've had so many disappointing moments in our life that now our theology is following our experiences instead of following the scriptures and the promises of God. And that is, a, that is a trick of the enemy. That's a snake coming into your life saying, well, you know he didn't answer the last prayer. Why would you think he's gonna answer this prayer? And he comes in there and, and as our faith builds, we're able to back up and say, look, God's a sovereign God. He's a sovereign God and these are the two things we must always remember God knows and God cares. God knows and God cares. He knows and he cares. He knows and he cares. He knows and he cares. and cares. And so if by chance the end of the story of a particular prayer doesn't go the way we wanted it to go, now this is the moment where we find out how committed you are this is the moment where all of hell is looking, all of heaven is looking, all of your friends, your family is looking. This is the moment where everyone's gathered around like like, a, like like that Dr. Seuss book, I Don't Like Green Eggs and Ham, where everybody's gathering around watching to see whether or not you can handle disappointment because it's easy to follow God when he answers a prayer just like we were a moment ago. God did something for me me then I know it would have never happened if it weren't for God now let's just talk amongst ourselves what about those moments that we've all had where the prayer answered was disappointing and I want to applaud you I want to applaud you because you're in this room right now because if you would have completely given up You wouldn't be in this room right now. There's a part of you that says, I still believe. And then when that little whisper, but what about, but what about? And you say, but help me overcome my unbelief. And the Lord says, you're just the kind of person I love to bless. Come on, put your hands together for that. Just the kind of person that I love to bless. That I love to bless. There's something called the white knuckle anointing. You won't read it in your Bible. It's it's right next to the chapter that's about the grit your teeth anointing. Are you already ahead of me? Do you already know where I'm going with this? Well, let me catch up to you then. These are the seasons where you just grip and just hang on until it's over. These are the seasons you just grip your teeth. There's a, a father in the room right now at this moment. We talked a couple years ago, and he's like, Pastor, you've got to help me pray for my son. I don't know what's happening. And it seems like he's 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 fell off the cuckoo bus. I don't know what's happened. I My wife and I have given him everything we can. And it was a rough patch. It was a rough patch. Today, he's graduating college with stuff around his neck. I don't know what that stuff means. That's above my pay grade. But he's got ropes and, like, like stuff. You know what I'm talking about? He's got stuff. When I graduated, it was like, oh, and uh, Frankie. <laughs> he's got stuff. He got hired before he graduated. He hadn't even graduated yet. He hasn't even took it. Throw. He hasn't even graduated college yet. He's already hired. I'm like, it was just a rough patch. So when you go through the rough patch, you, you grab and you hang on. And you say, this is what I know. The Lord will deliver me. He will deliver me. But if he doesn't, I still keep on worshiping. I still keep on praising Him. Are you with me? Put your hands together for that. I still do it. About, you guys all know the story. Just to catch everyone up, for about the last three and a half years, we've just been seeing healings week after week after week. I want to share a testimony right now of one that uh, it's so funny because in the second service I know what testimony we're going to play but the first service this I have no idea what testimony we're going to play no clue I don't know if it's a girl or a guy I don't know if they're white black Mexican I don't know if they're green or I know they're not green I know that (laughs) I used to hear people say all the time I love everybody I don't care if you're white black pink Purple, yellow, I love everybody. And I was like, well, hold on a minute here. If I see somebody purple or green, we're gonna have to talk about whether or not we need to send the bat signal in the air because, all right, I'm being dumb, I'm sorry. But I don't know what testimony is about to play, but I do know, it was probably last Sunday or the Sunday before that, It happens every single week. Every single week. And so while you're watching this video, while you're watching the video, just let your faith begin to rise. Expect the Lord to touch you. In Job chapter 4, verse 15, it says, And then I felt the Spirit of the Lord graze past my face and the hair on my arm begin to stand up. Actually, it says the hair on my body began to stand up. Many of you will feel the presence of God while you're watching the testimony. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, it says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we talk about what he has done, we're actually talking about what he's about to do again. Go ahead and press play. Let's take a look at this.
1: About five weeks ago, I started having a pain on the uh, side of my jaw. Uh, uncomfortable at first, uh, progressively got worse. Uh, several weeks, going two weeks into the, you know, the, the pain I was having, uh, my jaw, cheekbone started twitching on me. I had like spasms, uh, shooting pain, just you know, not sure what was going on. I um, actually went to the doctor and uh, had a regular checkup, and they uh, di- diagnosed possible TMJ. It's a, a jaw uh, issue. Anyway, uh, did that the following Sunday. was Easter Sunday. We came to the 11 o'clock service. And uh, I don't know, over, over the last year with all the healings that Pastor's been doing, I've had several aches and pains over time, and uh, he hasn't called my pain yet. This time, Pastor had a word of knowledge, and uh, he had three words of knowledge that day, and the uh, third one was uh, pain in the jaw. I said, That's me. I came straight up to the top. Um, Believing, I've got friends that have been healed. I believe in healing, and I believe that the Lord will bless us. um pastor started speaking to the other participants first, and he came to me next, uh, asked me what was going on. I explained the pain in the jaw, and uh, he started praying for me. A um, little bit into the prayer, I, I felt the warmth going through my body. Nothing, you know, I don't know if it was real, wasn't real hot or whatever, but it was a very peaceful warmth. Um, he asked me how I was it feeling, and I said, you know, it's, the pain has been relieved a little somewhat. He uh, prayed some more. Second time through, uh, I think I was up to 70, 75% better already. I could move my jaw. I had function back. I uh, was responding better. We're uh, a week or so past that point, And I'm sleeping at night. My uh, twitching is gone. The spasms are gone. Pain is a lot more bearable. I think right now it's just whatever swelling I might have had is uh, subsiding. And uh, thank you, Jesus.
0: Let's all stand to our feet for me, please. And I just, um, you know, none of you came here today with. None of you woke up this morning and said, "I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna give up my Sunday morning to go listen to Frankie talk." I don't, I don't think that that thought. I want to go hear Frankie talk today. I don't think that that thought crossed your mind. I think you you woke up this morning and you said, I think I'll go to church today. Raise your hand if that was your... I think I'll go to church today. It's not like you are. I'm going to go hear Frankie. Nobody comes to hear Frankie. Everybody comes because they want to go to church and and ingrained in your spirit is Psalms 26, verse 8, where he says, I love to go to the sanctuary because it's where the presence of God dwells. That's why you came. And it would be a travesty. A travesty. If I didn't, a travesty. If I didn't give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to touch you when that is the exact reason why you came. So if you just close your eyes and just put your hands like this, like you're going to receive something and, and oftentimes bowing your head is appropriate when you're before the king, but I want you to put your chin up and look to your father the way you would want a child to look at you. Holy Spirit, right now, begin to bless your children.